On this episode, we talk about CES, Windows 10 hitting 200 million, and a little bit about the Lumia 650. This is the Sam's Report. All right, this is a good one. Go away, Skype. Uh, all right, let's get started. Today is January 8th. It is the first podcast in the new year, and I hope that everybody had a good holiday, um, whatever you're celebrating. Uh, hopefully, we're all celebrating a good new year. And yeah, it's been off a couple weeks, but you know, downtime is always some good time, especially during the holidays. Recoup, rejoice, and then head to CES where it all gets drained out of you and uh, the circle is complete. But let's get started because it was a very, very busy week. Microsoft announced a new milestone this week, and there's a, more to it than just the name uh, for what they announced. So they said we have 200 million monthly, keyword here being active, users. If you look at how they worded this announcement, it is different than some of their prior announcements. They had been saying we have 75 million installs. We have 110 million installs. In this particular recent release, they are talking specifically about people who actually used a Windows 10 device during the month of December, and there were over 200 million of them. Now, that also does include the Xbox One, which I have back here, and I believe it's going to include also the Lumia 950. Uh, not expecting the numbers to get bulked up too much by the mobile phones, but on the Xbox side, that should probably add at least 10 million doesn't seem unreasonable. But I think it's key that they're starting to talk about active users, not just installs. Because, for example, my, I have several machines that have installs on them, but I don't use them all the time. So I'm hoping that they're only counting the one install, which is, or the couple installs that I use, which is the Pro 4 and the Surface Book, not the Dell XPS 13 or um, the HP Spectre that I have both loaded up in case a machine dies, or even the Surface Pro 3. But they haven't been turned on probably in a month or two. So 200 million monthly active users. That's a big number. That's a good That's a good announcement, right? Right, guys? I mean, that's a pretty big uh, jump, when, especially when they launched, um, what, Ju July 29th, and now we're up to 200 million. They're on a track to hit 1 billion within two to three years. So you can do the math, and yeah, they're, they're well on their way. They're a fifth of the way there um, as of right now, and that should only increase... Uh, faster here, especially going into the new year where they're going to turn the Windows 10 update from an optional to a recommended update. Now, people still are freaking out about this. And I still get emails, not daily, I did for a while, um, saying, hey, what, what is going on with this? I'm, they're going to force Windows 10 on me. No, is what they're doing is they're taking a step out of the process. Currently, if it's on optional, you have to download the optional update, you know, select it, and then run it and then install it. Now what they're doing is they're making it recommended, which means it'll just show up on your machine and say, hey, let's let's install Windows 10. They're already being really aggressive with Windows 10. This is just the next step. Frankly, unless you have some software that is only gonna run on Windows 7 or Windows 8, I, I'm now at the point, unless you have a Surface Book or Pro 4, of hesitant to, ask, to wonder why, as a consumer, you would not want to take the free upgrade. So it is out there, it is available, and I know people are going to say, well, Windows 7 just works. Windows 10, for the most part, I haven't really had any major issues, and it, you get a lot of security enhancements, you get a lot of features, you get Cortana, if that's your thing. Um, it's just a better system, and they've done a good job with it, and I think we're getting now to the point where it's pretty safe to update. Yes, there are always going to be issues, but there's also issues with Windows 7 and 8. So 
Um, I also went to a, an event, a Microsoft event. It was a closed event Wednesday night in Vegas. Uh, Terry Meyerson was speaking there. If you're following the tweets, I took out a couple pictures of him. And he very much reiterated that it is monthly active. And he, I was listening very carefully to his chosen words to see if he was going to say installs or whatever. Nope, monthly active. And he only talked for a few minutes and it was really just kind of rallied the troops and say, hey, thanks for being here type stuff and reiterated their post that went out on Monday. But it was good to see and talk with him. Also had drinks with Frank Shaw, who is their corporate head. And, you know, he gave me kind of the backstory of the OneDrive fiasco, which I had already written about previously. I, I, um, if you've listened to the podcast, you already know the story. But he just kind of reiterated what I had heard internally. Um, some other things that came out of that post on Monday that most people may not have picked up on unless you're reading Petri uh, is the significant growth in the Windows Store. Now, I had been cheerleading, if you want to call it that, or being optimistic about the improvements coming to the Windows Store. And other people have kind of jumped on this bandwagon, too. I've seen Mary Jo Foley write about it uh, and a couple other sites as well. And Microsoft finally gave us some hard-hitting numbers to the best available degree that we expect from Microsoft. They didn't actually give us hard dollar figures, but they like to give percentages. And they said that the Windows Store, excuse me, had been seeing strong revenue growth and in December, 60% of the customers were new to the store. 60%, sorry, of the paying customers were new to the store, which is a 4.5 increase in revenue per device compared to Windows 8. That's a huge jump for the Windows Store. Now, we don't know the figures that, you know, the basis figures to make a jump, but we all know that Windows 10 is doing pretty well, considering they're at the 200 million figure, and that they're seeing a 60% of paying customers were new to the store. That's a big chunk of the user base that have coming to the Windows Store to buy stuff. And if you're not a developer selling an app in the Windows Store, it's quickly becoming an area that's going to be uh, a loss for you because there are now users there. Microsoft with Windows 10, because they're giving it away for free, has created the one-sided problem that developers typically love. They have a store with a lot of users in it now and an app marketplace that isn't completely oversaturated with whoopee cushion apps. Now, granted, the Windows Store does have its own problems. There are apps that are like VLC is a classic one. You search VLC and for a while there were VLC clones or like VLC for $2.99 that was really just a download link to an EXE. And Microsoft does need to be better on top of just cleaning out the crap. They have improved their standards recently and things are getting better, but that was an issue that had plagued the Windows Store for quite some time. And it was mostly probably because they wanted to inflate their numbers of how many apps, but quality apps versus quantity of apps, two totally different things. But we are finally making progress in getting some quality apps into the Windows Store. Developers are seeing buy through, which means that the train of apps should continue to come as more users come on board with Windows 10. So they finally appears to solve the chicken and egg scenario when it comes to an app store. Now, the bigger question is, when will we start to see more quality apps on something like this? This is the Lumia 950. Just because it's in the Windows Store does not necessarily mean that it runs on the phone. So we're still struggling, or Microsoft is still struggling with the phone issue. The app quality is still significantly lagging behind. So is their market share. But they're getting somewhere. They're, they're getting some stuff done. And you know what? Good for them. <laughs> they finally have a strategy that appears to be working. For those of you who have been asking about the Surface Book, and I had alluding this a couple times on the podcast, um, when is the Surface Book coming to Europe? So 
I had been hearing early spring for a while, and that's kind of what I passed along was the, the best case of what I had heard. And Microsoft actually came out, and for some countries in Europe, they're going to beat that date. And so they announced that they're coming to 10 new markets, including China and Hong Kong, and every, all of these markets can now pre-order. So you've got Australia and New Zealand, they're getting the service book on January 28th. And Australia, France, Germany, Switzerland, UK, coming February 28th. So just coming in a little bit earlier than my, my sources were telling me, but um, they weren't too far off from the dates that I had given and pretty much aligns to what everything I've, I've heard. But that's not all the countries in Europe. So there I still believe that there are more countries in Europe. <laughs> Romania was heavily berated upon um, in my Twitter feed saying, why isn't it coming to Romania? I don't know. I don't make these decisions. Um, if I did make these decisions, Skype would suck a hell of a lot less if I could actually get in there and tell Microsoft what to do. But so be it. At least if you are in Europe, you have less of a drive to go find one. Um, and Microsoft obviously expanding the service book will increase its adoption rate, which will increase just about everything, right? It'll lower the cost of the production of the device for them, which means better revenues. It will build out their brand. Um, it's just whatever. If you've been wanting a Surface Book, which I do like mine, I mean, I, I took it with me to Vegas, although it was blue screening a couple times, but that could be because I have an early production unit. Um, it is a good device. So there you go. Surface Book coming to more locations soon. But the big thing that went on this week, just kidding, Microsoft dropping the 200 million bomb is a pretty big thing. So CES, I was out at CES and we had the Galaxy Tab Pro S. That was probably the most talked about device, at least while I was there, um, most requested device for people to want to know more about. And so it's a 1.5, uh, 1.53 pound tablet that uses Type-C for charging. It's got a 12 inch AMOLED display, Core M chips, and the keyboard is a surface type so the way i look at this it's a surface and surface clothing samsung looked at the surface and said okay what can we do to build upon it and so they put a gorgeous screen i can't get over that the fact that ces one of the trends and i'll write up a post about this is that oled displays are the new thing and that's that's what comes in the tab pro s and it is gorgeous the downside is is that they put a core m chip in it my guess here is that one it's less heat but OLED displays are battery intensive on the Lenovo uh, Carbon that came out or whatever the Lenovo X1 that has the OLED display. If you equip it, it drops the battery life by three hours. They are very, very power hungry. But the device is gorgeous. It is a great tablet. The foldable keyboard is not as good as the type cover. Microsoft has the edge here. And the reason why that is that the travel space of the keys is not quite as good. And... There's, if you look at the new type cover, actually you can kind of see it here on my designer type cover keyboard here. You can see the spacing. They've, there's no spacing on the older type covers or on Samsung's keyboard. And it just kind of gives you that cramped feel and the, type, the trackpad isn't quite there. But it is a the screen is by far the best thing. And it's very thin, very light. And it's a good option at the end of the day. If you're in the market for two-in-one, which there were tons of them, um, HP, Dell, Lenovo, and Samsung all have them, Microsoft included, Apple as well. Apple's is by far the most overpriced. But they are all now out on the market, which is good. Consumer choice is the best thing ever. So if you don't like the Surface Pro 4, then go take a look at Samsung's or HP's or Lenovo's. But I will say it is worth checking out. Um, it's that good. It's not... 
I need more time with it because I only had about five minutes on the show floor. But at a high level, I quite like it. I think it'll do well for Samsung. I don't know if it will do as well as the Pro 4. It'll be interesting to see because I think the Pro 4 is, might have just a little bit better of a product with the um, real, not the real sense, but Windows Hello. I don't believe the Samsung device had Windows Hello support, which there was a lot of devices not announced with Windows Hello, which were kind of interesting. So that is that. We got the Galaxy Tab S. Gosh, what else went on at CES? A whole bunch of crap. But anyways, there was, the Alcatel also announced a one-touch Pixie 3, which was an 8-inch Windows phone running Windows 10 Mobile with a SIM slot. Now, this isn't a very interesting device. It's an 8-inch phone. Like, it's it's a it's running the phone OS. I'm not sure I'm sold on this. Um, I understand the idea that the phone apps should work quite well and they scale up to that bigger size. The problem is that they're not spaced out all that well. There's a lot of just wasted space. The best argument I can think of, this tablet reminds me a lot like the remote controls that you buy for your grandmother that have like the one through nine and zero buttons, just massive so they cannot miss them. That is what it felt like using this. It is very big. Everything is oversized. Everything works um, but it's just the phone and you can slap a sim in there and you can make phone calls if you really want to and I think it's gonna it's definitely a lower-end device made of plastic I don't even know if it's coming to the US um, actually but whatever it's an option if you need an 8-inch Windows phone that has low-end specs there you go you at least have the option it's actually good for Microsoft too because that's somebody else coming into the mobile phone segment and actually we've seen a couple of that Alcatel uh, the Fierce Alcatel One Fierce XL is coming to T-Mobile, which is another Windows phone. And so there is some traction starting to occur in the mobile phone space. We really don't have anybody like Samsung putting out phones year after year, HTC year after year. It's really only Microsoft. So anybody jumping into this bandwagon with the bet company is a good thing for fans of the platform because more phones, more users, more better apps. At least that's the hope. Um, one of the other cool things and that I really did see at CES that I did like is called the Razer Blade Stealth. And this is a new laptop. It's a gaming laptop with a twist. So it's a 12.5 inch display, top, you know, and specs, Core i7 and all that good stuff. But what's interesting about this, and you can see it, I wrote it up on, on Therat, is that it has an external GPU that connects via Thunderbolt uh, I believe it's Thunderbolt 3, and you can put any standard size GPU into this box and it connects to the laptop, and then you have a full gaming laptop. Now, I have a couple questions because they weren't forthcoming on all the details and they wouldn't let you benchmark anything, um, and they didn't even give us a price. They gave us a price for the laptop, which I believe starts at $9.99, but the actual box where you put the GPU in, um, generally referred to as an external GPU, because that's exactly what it is. They didn't give us a price. We don't know how much of a performance hit, if any, mind you, if any, by running it externally like that. So I'll be really curious to see what kind of issues crop up by having an external GPU. Because there's certain things such as, like with the Surface Book back here that has an external GPU, you can't just undock the two, otherwise it'll crash. You actually have to turn it off. And with, the, with it just being a port on the laptop, um, you can just rip that thing out. I mean, it's just a USB or whatever Thunderbolt cable. You can just pull it out. I'm assuming it's going to crash the system or at least crash the application. And that's a, 
always been an issue. Um, it's not alone, you know, segmented to just this device. But it is a problem in the industry that nobody has really come to an elegant solution yet at this time. But that being said, if they can, if they can really figure this out and actually make this a very workable solution, this, this opens up a whole new world of gaming for people because it's you buy a nice laptop, right? And then it's like, oh, I wish I could game on this thing. Well, you just buy the external box, plug it in, and there you go. You have external GPU power to go play whatever games you want. And it's upgradable. Uh, it, it really solves a lot of problems. I'm really curious to see how well this works. I know it's not the first time it's been attempted, but I am optimistic about this. Really am. So good job, Razer. And HP had a bunch of good stuff. Their HP Folio PC line. Um, Dell had some good stuff. Dell is bringing their XPS 13 to the enterprise under the Latitude, uh, whatever, Latitude brand number. But it's essentially the XPS 13, ruggedized a little bit, uh, better trackpad actually, because it has physical left and right keys, improved hinge design, and I'm really optimistic that this is going to sell well. HP brought a stunning um, near bezel list, not quite as good as the Infinity display on the Dell. Ultrabook, that is again for the enterprise market with all the bells and whistles you would expect for an enterprise device. And it's really just been CES has been summed up by a couple trends for the PC market. We have OLED displays are huge and my God, are they gorgeous. Um, I look at my new brand new Dell 4Ks here and don't get me wrong, they are great. But when you look at the OLED, the color saturation is so vibrant. You just feel like you can take a paintbrush and just dip it in and then just start go painting things. It's really, really neat. Um, you also pay a nice premium for them. Dell announced a 30-inch OLED display that was in the thousands of dollars, uh, way beyond my price range for a PC on the daily basis. And I know there are issues with OLED displays beyond um, pricing. It's also the fact that things like your start bar, it's always on the screen and they're afraid of burn-in. So they have to work on certain aspects of the display and they do some fancy things on the back end to try to avoid the burn-in. But we have to start somewhere, right? We have to start somewhere with this stuff. And so there we go. So OLED displays are one big thing. One thing I was surprised I didn't see much of was Windows Hello sensor support. There were a few items here and there and HP desktop had it, but not really so much in the laptop face. I was, I was honestly quite surprised that we did not see more iris reading devices for uh, login. I, I really thought we were gonna see a lot more of this stuff. And then there was an exuberant amount of crap at CES, such as there were at least 10 different companies selling doorbells with lights of them. There was a remote camera company that offered to put a camera in your fridge. So then you can log in and see what's in your fridge without actually opening your fridge door. We have the Samsung and LG putting screens on their refrigerators, which I understand what they're doing here. And honestly, I would probably buy one just for giggles. But my bigger concern with something like this is if the product line doesn't do well, uh, are they just going to give up software support for it? And they kept calling it the family hub, which I kind of understand. And I think it would be a fun, neat addition, but I don't, I'd have a problem paying a serious premium for a large screen on the refrigerator. And what else was there? There were connected cars. Microsoft made a lot of announcements in the connected car for the back end. Um, everybody was showing off their driverless systems that are coming. The autonomous vehicle is coming. Their app connected cars are coming. 
uh, drones. Holy crap. There were drones. If, if you didn't have a drone at CES, you were probably a minority. I mean, everybody was showing off drones after drones after drones. And I suspect that half of these companies will not exist next year uh, with only the cream of the crop rising up. But there, everybody had drones. It was crazy. So that was kind of CES. Not any big game changers. I don't think anybody was really expecting stuff. There was a lot of VR. Oculus announced their device for $599. But, you know, that's just the way it is. That's CES every year. Overhyped, mostly underdelivered. Uh, Microsoft, not really there in full, there to promote their partners. And that's about it. But, leave you guys on a good note here. So, Lumia 650. Okay. Um, Lumia 650 here. So, I have pictures of the Lumia 650. If you were at CES, I probably showed them to you. I can't post them yet, much like it with the 950. It's um, I can't I can't post the pictures yet, but I do have images of the Lumia 650. I can tell you that the uh, mockups that Windows Central posted are very, very, very close, and I can confirm it has a metal bezel that goes all the way around. There's a large speaker grill at the bottom. There's a front-facing camera at the top right. It says Microsoft in the middle. Um, the version I am looking at is in black. So it's just a black and metal. It almost kind of reminds me of like an iPhone 4-ish kind of, um, but with a larger display. I can't quite tell. I just have pictures. I don't have the full spec sheet. But we are going to get a metal Windows phone. It looks nice. It, it actually looks very nice um, for once and I don't know why they didn't take this exact same form factor with a 950 XL but metal Lumia 650 it is coming very soon and we will know a lot more about its availability I would suspect um, within the next two weeks ish no promises on that but around that amount of time we should have a better understanding of its availability so Lumia 650 will be another mid-range mid to low end phone where did my mouse go and there we go. So going to the questions, is it still a Nokia started phone? I don't quite know where they cut off with all that stuff. Um, that's kind of, I, I know what the question here is, is this the first truly homegrown Microsoft phone? I'm gonna hedge out and say no. I don't know for a fact that that's true, but I don't believe that this is Microsoft's attempt at saying, hey, this is the hero phone we've always imagined. This is more of just a, we're going to put out two phones in each category class, and here is the 650 range. There you go, guys. I am exhausted. CES is a heck of a show. A lot went on in the world of Microsoft this week, and I think that's about it, guys. So I'm going to end it for now. Hope everybody had a great time, and I will catch you next Friday right here on the Sam's Report. Thanks for watching.